So it's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, and then Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. So 10 and 11 say this, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. And then we'll slide over to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. take you just for a few moments to a very familiar passage of scripture and it's in Luke chapter 4 but we'll shoot it up on the screen here first five verses and Luke tells us that in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world and this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to another province, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Now somewhere along the line, we lost the exact date of Jesus' birthday. And so December 25th was decided upon, and we thought, that would be a really good time. And there were various reasons for that, and uh, we won't go into that this morning. But let's go back. Let's go back to that year, <coughs> excuse me, when Jesus was born. Let's say it was December 25th. And so here you are on the 16th of December, nine days or eight days before the birth of this child, somewhere in that range, and put yourself in Mary and Joseph's sandals. And so God, you've got all this, this expectation of this new baby, first baby. And I know when Kathy and I went through that, there was all the stuff, you know, you bought a crib, you bought a change table, you bought diapers, we got clothes, we got a cradle, and there was, there was all kinds of neat stuff that we got ready. And, and Mary and Joseph had had God's plan revealed to them. An angel appeared to Mary and, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and, then, and then, you know, Mary had to tell Joseph about her pregnancy, and then an angel came to Joseph and said, you know, everything's cool, and, and you go ahead and marry her, and all the rest of that, and they went through all that, and, and, and there were all these promises, and here everything was fine. And, and I would imagine that this couple went through all these preparations for the birth of this child. And then, where did he go? Put Caesar back up there. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Or 1 to 5. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Who does this turkey think he is? He's sitting up there in Rome and he says, I want everybody to go to the world, to, to their hometown, to be taxed. Didn't he realize what an inconvenience that was for Joseph and Mary? 
Here they had put all these plans together. Here everything was in place, and they thought God had worked all this stuff out for them. God had a plan, and everything comes unglued because some turkey in Rome decides to issue a decree. What happened to God's plan? And you ask yourself sometimes, God has a plan for me? If this is God's plan for my life, like why does my life suck? Why is my life coming unglued? Why is everything not turning out the way that I thought it should turn out? If God has a plan for his people, then where is his plan? You know, if this was God's plan for Joseph and Mary, what was he thinking? Here she is, nine months pregnant, making this trip to to, to Bethlehem, she's about to have a baby. What happened? Joseph was a carpenter. Surely he must have made a cradle. You know, surely she would have got diapers and clothes and all the rest of that stuff together. What happened to all that stuff? I don't think that they brought a pickup in a U-Haul. Now, all the pictures show that Mary rode to, to Bethlehem on a donkey. I don't know about that. But I guess that's not the point. Here was all this stuff that was ready. All these things were ready, and their plans came completely undone because some guy in Rome decided to issue a decree. And so here's this birth happening, and and she puts her child, you know, if God has a plan, how come there isn't a place for this baby? If God has a plan, how come there wasn't a midwife available? Where's Mary's mom? Where's the family that's supposed to be there? I mean, if God has a plan, this really isn't working too well, is it? Shepherds? You know, I I don't know about you ladies when you have babies. I, I don't know a whole lot about making babies, and I made some terrible mistakes. When my wife was in labor, I thought I would lighten the mood and tell jokes to the nurses. Um... It, it really didn't help lighten the situation at all. And, and my wife still has negative feelings about that particular event. Second baby, she just about broke my hands. Oh, it hurt. I couldn't say anything because it wasn't about me. But I don't know how many of you ladies would have wanted a bunch of shepherds to be your first visitors within hours of having your first baby. I mean, it probably not really all that appealing. I mean, where was God's plan? You know, and a week later, they take this baby and they present him to the temple and this old prophet by the name of Simeon is there. I mean, Mary had heard these things from the angel that he will be great and he will be called the, most, the son of the Most High. I think every parent wants to hear that about their child. Your child's going to be great. Your child's going to be somebody. I mean, when we get together with other people, like, <clears throat> look out, we have pictures. We have stories. I mean, we talk about our grandkids, you know, uh, and about our kids. And, and Mary heard, you know, he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. And, and then a week later, they go meet this prophet, the Simeon at the temple. And he says that, that this child will be destined to cause the falling and rising of many of Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. Who wants to hear that about their newborn child? And then Joseph says to Mary, and a sword, oh, by the way, a sword will pierce your soul too. Ouch. Where's God's plan? 
And that's some plan, and it led right to the crucifixion. And you wonder what allowed Mary to keep it together those days and all those years. And it probably went away for a little while, but she was probably, when she was there, when Jesus was crucified, look, God, where is your plan? Why is, if you have a plan, why is everything coming unglued in my life? And if God has a plan for your, your life, God has a plan for you and me, and you'll know that one of my favorite sayings, in fact, Anson and Cameron here did a very good job of it. You know, I will come up to you and say, God loves you, but I have a wonderful plan for your life. That usually means I want you to do something that I don't feel like doing. But, um, you know, God does love us, and God does have a wonderful plan for our lives. But you look at that, you, you know, the, this thing in Newtown, Connecticut on, on Friday morning, 20 kids, grade one, shot to death. I have grandkids that are that age. Six staff members, like, how do you explain that? Where is God's plan? How did that work into things? Like, would God design something like that? I know for some of you sitting here this morning, life is really good, and it is for Kathy and me right now. We're doing fine. Some of you are, are getting by. You know, like it's working for you. Somehow you're making it work and, and you're getting by. You're doing okay. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but for many, you could be sitting here this morning thinking, if this is what God has planned for my life, why doesn't he let me do my own planning? Because I think I can do better. Hmm? You ever feel like that? I've been there. I've done that. If this is God's plan for my life, I think I can do better by myself. But then I have to think about the reality. That psalm that Lindsay read for us this morning, Psalm 139, if you don't have that marked in your Bible, like underline it, highlight it, put a page marker in there, or do something, but it talks about God's presence. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go here, you're there. If I go over there, you're there. I can't get away from you. It talks about God's power, that there's no place I can go that he can't see me. It talks about God's presence, how he knows absolutely everything about my life. Before a word is on my tongue, God knows it completely. Even the words that don't come out of my mouth, God knows. And it talks about his purpose before, you know, before any of the days that you had planned for me. All the days were written for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has a plan. And I may not like that plan. I may not agree with that plan. But God has a plan, and his plan is way bigger than mine. For Mary and Joseph, that turkey in Rome, making that decree, throwing their plans into absolute turmoil, was something they hadn't counted on. It was something that they hadn't planned on. In fact, if they had been the ones doing that planning, they probably would have stayed in Nazareth, and she would have got to put that new little baby in that cradle or or. or whatever Joseph had prepared. They wouldn't have made that trip with a nine-month pregnant lady all the way to Bethlehem. Probably took him eight or ten days to travel that far. 
But God has a plan. And I know that he's talking about the nation of Israel, but put Jeremiah 29, verse 11 up there, Maggie, please. God has a plan. Now, this part sounds good because this plan says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, and we like that. But look at what the next verse says, verse 12. It says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I think sometimes God's plans cause us to be crowded to Christ. You see, in my thinking, if God has a plan for me to give me a hope and a future, it means that God will turn me loose and I can skip through the meadows and I can live life and it'll be happy and, 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 and fun and smooth and everything else. And God says, the plans I have for you, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And sometimes God's plans cause us to be crowded to Jesus and cause us to call out to God. I think that's what happened to Joseph and Mary. But you and I say when God's plans cause us to be crowded to Jesus, we say, God, what are you doing? God, I don't like this. God, this is squeezing me into places and situations I really don't want to be. And Lord, if this is what you have for me, let me do my own planning because I think I can do better. You know what I think kept Mary sane through all those times? I think she realized, and I'm just guessing here, but I think it's biblical hypothesization, which is a big word for guessing. I think Mary had a deep and abiding faith in God. And even when she was on her hands and knees at the foot of that cross, crying out, her soul was absolutely breaking. She was content in God's purpose. And I don't know what God's plans are for me. Right now, Kathy and I are in a very comfortable place. That could change tomorrow. For those people Melita was talking about, a vehicle got left in the middle of the bridge and life changed in two heartbeats. It could happen. I don't know. And sometimes God gives us a spacious, roomy place in which to dwell and in which to enjoy life. And sometimes God's plans for me include crowding me to Jesus Christ. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. But then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Let's pray to him right now, and then, Jalissa, you're going to come and lead us in a song. Father, we don't often agree with the plans you have for us, and sometimes it's like Mary and Joseph and all the plans that we had made and the things we thought would happen don't. 
And then we say, Lord, where are you? But you do have plans for us, plans to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future, but also those plans will sometimes crowd us to Jesus, and we thank you for that. We thank you that we can pray to you, that we can call upon you, and that you will listen to us, that you care, and that you will carry us. Lord, grant us the faith, grant us the strength, grant us the courage to follow your plans, because ultimately, Lord, we know that you know way, way better than we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.